Amen. If this is your first time here, you weren't with us last week, I kicked off a new series that I'm super excited about. I said it, I'm, I'm excited about this series, not because I'm preaching, not because I wrote most of it, because it's speaking to me. Every time, the past two weeks, every time I've sat down to, to put some, some notes to paper, I've just been wrecked. I've been wrecked. Because we're going through the book of John, and this series is entitled The Wonders, The Wonders Series. And I gave a, an, an introduction, if you would say, last week to the wonders of Jesus. There's, there's, in the book of John, there's seven miracles that Jesus performs. Seven. And they're powerful. But last week I just showed you guys as a church, and if you weren't here, check it out. It's on SoundCloud, I think that's right, whatever, the podcast thing. You guys can find it. Just Google it. You'll find it. A lot smarter than I am, right? But it's up there. And so last week I talked about when Jesus showed up to the scene and his ministry began, he started calling his disciples. And specifically I talked to you guys about two dudes, Phil and Nate. Philip and Nathaniel, for short, it's Phil and Nate. They're like, who's Phil and Nate? You guys are all looking at each other like, those dudes in the Bible, they're there. Phil and Nate. But I talked with you about how Nathan, Nathaniel, was full of doubt. Full of doubt when Jesus showed up. He actually said nothing good comes from that town that Jesus was born in. He doubted them that much. But by the end of the story, by the end of our time together last week, we discovered something. When we doubt the doubt, when we doubt the doubt, Stuff starts to happen. I, I, I've gotten texts and calls this week from people saying, man, I didn't believe in miracles, <laughs> but some crazy stuff has been happening in my life. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You could say amen to that. That's all God. That's not this church. That's not me preaching. So tonight, we're going to kick it off, the first miracle. And the series is entitled The Wonders, but this tonight is called Never Runs Out. I almost said something else. Never Runs Out. And so if you have your Bibles, open them up to John, the book of John. If you don't, the scripture is going to be up on the screen. Everybody's got their phones. That's their new Bible today. You love your Bibles? One person. We are in serious trouble. Does anybody love their Bibles? I'm not talking about like you love how it looks. You love what's inside of it? This is living word. This is good. You need this every day, I promise you. You don't need to ingest the whole thing. You just need some of it. It will carry you through the whole day. I promise. This is the living word of God. We stand on this at this church. If anything is ever preached that's not in this word, I promise you I'll tackle him. I promise you. And I've given the right to Courtney McGee, who's very strong, to tackle me if I don't preach what's in the word. Right? That's right, man. Let me open up my Bible to John 2. Let me read the scripture tonight. It says this. On the third day. <laughs> third day. Anything else ever happened on the third day? Something powerful, it's called the resurrection. Something to be said about that. His first miracle, the first words that are written, on the third day he shows up to a wedding. A wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, I love this, they have no more wine. My son, they're out. Jesus says this, and let me explain this. He says, woman, it's not a bad thing. All the women are like, boy, you, it's in here. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. But that's not a saying like today, like when we call women, like woman. No, he's saying that as a sign of endearment. And back then, that's what this means, okay? So we're all clear here, right? Everybody with me, all the women in the house say, I'm with you. 
Praise God, I'm not walking out of here getting beat up. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour, my time, when I'm supposed to move has not come yet. His mother said to the servants, yo, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. That's amazing. That's powerful right there. We'll get to that. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not even realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after. The guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Jesus, this is your words. And Father, tonight I pray through your Holy Spirit that you speak to your church. That you give us clarity, that you open up our ears to hear, Holy Spirit. You open up our hearts to receive, that you change our hearts. That, Father, tonight as we discover this, that we doubt the doubt. Father, and that we will just have open eyes and open ears to what you want to say. Father, go before this. You've already blessed your word. Anoint it. Be in this room even more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Never runs dry. I love that. I love that story. That story is amazing, and we're going to talk a lot about it tonight. But you want to know what also I love? Ice cream. Amen. I mean, I love ice cream. Like, to the point where there's ice cream in our freezer every day, all day, except right now. Me and my wife are doing a little cleanse, if you want to call it. It's called Whole30. I'm dying. Pray for me. It's a lot. I'm stressed. I'm angry at times because of the lack of ice cream. I just believe it. It's not the devil. It's ice cream. But I love ice cream. How many of you know when you show up to a place like Cold Stone Creamery? Anybody like Cold Stone? Me. All day, every day. I'll eat it all the time. But when I show up, I get the biggest one. What is it, the gotta have it, gotta love it, and what's the biggest one? I don't even know what it's called. I just say, I just point. I point, there's drool coming out of my mouth. I just point, like, you know what I want. She knows what I want. The lady knows exactly what I want. And so I get it, right? I get it. I'm so excited. My wife's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, babe, you know. You know this is my time. This is me time right now. Me and my ice cream. She's like, all right, you're going to be sick as a dog because I get cake batter and cookie dough. Hello. <laughs> yes. It's the best. Raw cookie dough plus cake batter. I'm dead. But I love it. And so as I start eating it, I don't just like chow it down like I normally do when I eat. When I get food in front of me, most of the time it's gone within five minutes. It's gone. Out. Done. My wife's like, did you like that? I was like, I hated it. The plate is cleared. Done. But with ice cream, I savor it, right? Take small bites. I lick the spoon front and backwards. You guys are like, this is a lot of details. We don't need to know all this about your eating habits. It's all right. It's my time to just vent to you all. No one's judging you. And so you can't judge me in the room. But I love ice cream, and I just take it spoon by spoon by spoon. And I, I, I love the moment. I love it. I hate the moment 
when I look down to take the last bite and it's gone. I fight with my wife often to order another one. She's like, are you out of your mind? I said, yes, I am. But I want more. It's done. It's out. It's dry. What? Why can I have a never-ending supply of Cold Stone ice cream? Like, just hook an IV up to me. I'll be good. I'll be good. Everyone's like, that's disgusting. That's just my thing. I love ice cream, and I am so upset when it runs dry. So upset. Church, I know that's a silly analogy. I know it's funny. But we got Christians today believing this about Jesus, that he's run out. We got Christians today in the church serving God but believing his power, his works, his mighty hand has run out. I'm not saying you sitting in this room. I'm saying at times I've even wondered, man, Jesus, are you still working? Are you still doing the stuff that you did thousands of years ago? Are you still able to turn water into wine? Are you still able to raise the dead to life? Are you still able? Or has this run out? Or has this run dry? Church, Oasis Church, hear me loud and clear. That's doubt, and it's never run out. Jesus has never run out. You can say amen. Amen? He doesn't run out. He has yet to run out. He has yet to fail. He has yet to stop pouring out his spirit on people. He promised it. He gave us his hope. He gave us his truth. He said, listen, when he died and went to the grave and rose again, and then he ascended into heaven, that's Jesus, so that he could go sit with his father. He promised and said, hey, listen, my work here is not done. I'm not done. Just because I'm going to sit with my pops doesn't mean my work here is done. I got a lot more to do, and I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit so that it can continue to happen. Amen. Anybody grateful for God's Spirit that's alive in us, that empowers us, that gives us grace, that gives us wisdom and discernment? Man, I'm going to preach like I'm a dead man tonight. So you're either going to get with it or just chill. Because this, this is real. This is real. Church, the kingdom of heaven never runs out. We've, listen, we are sitting in a time, in a time, I don't need to go in depth, you all know, we're sitting in a time and a day, today, where there is some crazy stuff happening in the world. I don't need to go into detail. Let me just say this. Can I say this? This isn't in my notes. I need to just be honest. If you're doubting that he's still on the throne and he's still the king of kings, check it with him. He's still the king of kings. He's still the rulers of all rulers. He's still in charge. You can say amen. No matter what we've seen, no matter what craziness is going on, no matter who's sitting in an office, who's sitting in the mayor's chair, who's sitting in government seats, he's still in control. If you don't hear anything else, walk out of here with the confidence of that. Now, I'm not sitting here saying just because he's in control doesn't mean we don't put up with stuff that's not, a, that's not right. Here's what we're called to do, church. Pray for them. Stop bashing them. Just pray for the dudes. I'm a sinner just as jacked up that that dude was at some point. I promise you. This isn't in my notes. Holy Spirit, please help me. 
for real. But I was jacked up. I was messed up. I was doing things, saying things, doing actions that had no place in God's life, in God's house. And guess what happened? People prayed for me. People prayed me through. People stood with me in prayer. People that I don't even know, I promise you, I've gotten, I've gotten messages on Facebook that send me, that say, hey, you don't know me, but I know you, I know your family, and I prayed you through those years of your life where you were living like hell. That's God. Because his kingdom's not done. Him pouring out his spirit, it's not over. So if all else, pray. Get on your knees and pray. Get off the freaking keyboard. But I'm serious. When you go to type, when you go to say something to somebody, maybe you should stop and just say, Lord, be with our government. Be with our mayors. Be with our officials. Be with your church and build your church. Because you're still in control. You can say amen. You can clap your hands because he's still in control and he's worthy of it. <laughs> should not have taken espresso shots before I got in here. His love never runs out. His mercy never runs out. His kingdom has yet to fade. His kingdom has yet to fail anybody. We stand on God's eternity. We stand on God's promises. This is what was speaking to me through reading this. He shows up to the scene. He shows up. Let me just get back to the story for a minute. You're all like, man, you're crazy today. It's all right. We're going to get to this. It's going to be powerful. The heart of Jesus is shown so deep here in this story. Who Jesus is and what he's about is shown to me so deep. It's not that Jesus just wanted to show up and throw a massive party, give everybody the best wine, and say, have at it. That's not the story here. If you read it like that, you're missing it. I've read it like that a few times and I've missed it. What I really believe in this story is that Jesus is showing us his heart. The very first miracle that he performs, he's showing us his heart. So Jesus has gathered his 12, right? We talked about that last week. He's gathered his 12. Now he's got these guys that have given up everything. They've dropped their livelihood. I said it last week. They gave up their businesses. They gave up everything to say, you know what? I'm going with that dude, even, Dan, even Nathaniel. He said, I doubt, but man, you've opened my eyes. Okay, I'm going with you. So now they're walking. Now they're doing ministry. You guys with me? I'm just giving you a little background to what's happening. And they show up to this wedding that they were invited to. Jesus was invited to. I love that word that it says invited to. You want to know why? Because most of the time that word invited to means to be called. But in this text, in this moment in John, that word invited literally means that they invited him. Like I invite people to my house for dinner, right? That means like, Jesus, we're inviting you to come, and guess what? He shows up. There's something to be said about that. If you don't hear anything, I'll catch that. When you just say, Jesus, I'm inviting you to my life. I'm inviting you to my circumstances. I'm inviting you into what I'm going through. He shows up. He shows up. So they show up to this wedding, right? Imagine it. The reception's happening. People are dancing. People are having a good time, right? And he walks in with 12 dudes deep. I, I, I thought the invitation was you for you, Jesus, only. I got my crew. Don't worry about it. It's cool. I'm Jesus. All right, man. Whatever. So he shows up. And his mother sees him. Now, you guys got to catch this. Mary, his mother, was promised something before he was even born. She was promised that her son was going to change the world. She was given a child before she was married. People hated her. 
People thought she was crazy. But she said, you know what, if you're promising me this Jesus, if you're promising me this God that you're going to give me Jesus and I'm going to birth my child in this world so they can do something, I'll believe it. But guess what, people thought she was still nuts. So Jesus is born, Mary raises him, sees him grow, sees him grow to become the man. And guess when the mom, I just got to believe this, when he walks in that wedding and he's got 12 dudes with him, what do you think happens? You know what I think happens? Her doubt went away. Her doubt went out the window. A light bulb turned on for her. Said, oh, this is happening. This is going down right now. The stuff that was promised to me many years ago, 30 years ago, it's here. <laughs> it's here. I just imagine Mary doing like a little dance, like a breakdown dance right there. She's like, yep, he's here. I can't dance, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> People are like, please don't. So she walk, he walks in with the 12, and Mary's like, he, the king's here. The Savior, the one that was promised me, he's here. And I know that there's a need. I know that there's a need here in this wedding. People are out of wine. They're out of stuff to drink. They're out of wine. And so she walks up to her son. Jesus is probably just standing, chilling, talking to his boys. She walks up to him. Hey, son, um, I know who you are. Thank you so much for showing up. Uh, this is amazing. Now I'm going to need you to make some more wine. Jesus was like, woman, my time had not come yet. With so much love. But he, he was like, okay, wait, no, she's my mother. She's my authority. She's been placed here over me. There's something to be said about that too. You guys want to fight against authority that's been placed over you? Check your hearts. Check your hearts. So Jesus said, this is my mother. To obey my mother and my father is the greatest thing that I can do. So I'm going to obey my mother. She's put me on blast. i got to do something. Disciples, you ready? Because she just told me. I got to do this. My time had not come yet, but I know my authority here on earth and here there. So, okay, time to move. It's crazy. It's amazing. And so, you know what I love? You know who I love the most in this story? The servants. The servants. I love the servants. Jesus looks after his mother tells them, hey, whatever he says, do it. He looks at them and goes, well, sorry about that, guys. It's a little abrasive. My mom, you know, sometimes she just, she's just like that. I love her. But come on, I'm going to need you to do something for me. <laughs> hey, um, okay, so there's those six jugs over there, six massive jars. Can you go fill those up for me, please? And so they do it. I love that. Simple servants, simple men, simple dudes that were about to do something extraordinary. You want to know why? You want to know why? Catch this. Obedience. Simple servants. Simple people that were just there to serve. To just serve the wedding. To serve the people there. To just serve. Jesus says, my servants, go fill up those jugs. So those men became just simple men and they turned into an extraordinary moment for, to, for them to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Is anybody not catching this? Is this making sense? That's powerful. He chose servants to go and fill up some jugs and to be his hands and feet in that moment. You want to see God move in your life? Serve. But more importantly, be obedient. I want to read this because this, this is it. This is the whole message right here. Obedience is the opening to the opportunity of a miracle to happen. Let me say that again. 
because that was good. Obedience is the opening. Obedience is the catalyst to the opportunity from a mir- for a miracle from heaven to happen. Obedience. I really believe in that moment Jesus wanted to see obedience. See, last week we talked about what? Faith and doubting. When he called his disciples, that took faith to say, you know what, I'm going to give up everything. I'm going to follow you. Well, now he's showing a principle of obedience. Wow, that's good. That's powerful. He's now looking to his church saying, church, are you going to be obedient? Because I got some wonders. I got some miracles. I got some things that I want to do in my church, but my church isn't being obedient. I need obedience. I need faith and obedience. That doesn't mean we're going to get it right. Catch that. I don't get it right every day. I need Jesus' grace. But you know what I do try? I try to strive after being obedient. Obedience sets it up for the miracle. Obedience sets up the door to fling wide open for a miracle to happen. Obedience is key here in this scripture. You guys thought maybe you were going to come in here and I was going to show you some crazy stuff. No, there's nothing crazy. I mean, in the sense of the miracle's crazy, right? Seeing a bunch of water turn into wine, that's crazy. Anybody else think that? Just me. Great. But that's crazy. But you know what's even crazier? Is that all he was simply looking for was obedience. Nothing else. Just simple yes. Just a simple yes with my mouth. A yes with my actions. A yes. Three things. Every week, three things. Because I want you to take these three things and I want you to go into this world and change it. So if you're taking notes, take notes. If, you're, if you haven't, take them tonight. Because this is good. Because obedience, I'm telling you right now, the church of Jesus Christ needs some obedient followers of him. The church has lost power over time. I'm not talking God's hand, but you want to know why? Because people aren't being obedient. They're living how they want to live. They're doing the things they want to do. They're living by their own ways. His word gives us guidance. His word protects us. His word carries us to where we're supposed to go and shows us how to be obedient. Eat that thing up. Because you want miracles, you want signs and wonders, you want something powerful to happen, obedience. I got the faith, Jesus. I got the faith, JP. I know, I believe it, that it's real. Now you got to step into obedience. But three things. Is this encouraging anybody? Three things. Obedience is key. Horizontally, vertically. Forgot which way horizontal was it. Obedience is key. Let me explain this. Jesus' time had not come yet, right? But we believe and we trust that Jesus knew the calling on his life. He knew where he was going. He knew what he was going to do. He knew that that cross was his end game and that tomb was his end game. He knew that he was going to raise again. That was his calling. But he also knew that God had some stuff for him to do in those moments while he was on earth. So Jesus shows up and his mom says, do this. Please, just do it for us. These people need it. It would be embarrassing to the, to the bridegroom. It would be embarrassing to the father to run out of stuff for their guests. That would be, I'm telling you, read the scriptures, that would be embarrassing to them. Jesus never wants to embarrass us. If you think he's embarrassed you, I promise you he hasn't. Hear that. You're not an embarrassment. You're not. Because he doesn't want to embarrass people. He wants to work in people. He wants to get some stuff out of you. He'll take care of that one-on-one with you. 
And you'll receive that through the church. This isn't in my notes. I just want you to hear that. He's not embarrassed about you. So he shows up and he says, okay, my time's not come yet, but I know God. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to be obedient to the Father. But then his mother speaks to him. His authority speaks to him. He says, go fill up. Go do this. These people need it. And he had the wherewithal. Jesus had the wherewithal to say, that's who's in charge. That's who's over me. I'm going to be obedient to what is asked of me. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to trust that you know what? She's telling me something because she knows something that I don't know. She sees a need. So you know what? She's going to tell me, I'm Jesus. I'm still powerful. I'm still all being. But my mother, the authority over me, has told me to do something. So I'm going to do it. God, I know you're in charge. I know I'm being obedient to you by doing this because that would please the heart of Jesus. I'm telling you. Scripture the culture, that time to be obedient to parents was the thing that pleased Jesus, that would please God the most. Besides serving him. Catch that. Is, that. is that making sense? So they knew that, hey, you know what? I need to be obedient here, but I need to be obedient here. We got to be obedient. See, the servants then were obedient to the king. The servants were obedient to the king, Jesus, but they were also obedient to his mother too. His mother spoke to the servants and said, hey, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So they show up to Jesus, and Jesus says, go get six jugs, fill them up. Let's make this happen. But it was interesting. I was looking this week. Those six jugs, it says, Scripture says, 20 to 30 gallons. 20 to 30 gallons. Today's weight, 250 pounds. So you know what I love? They didn't just go over to the water hole. They didn't walk with those jars over there and say, you know what, just fill it up halfway. <laughs> we can't carry this. I haven't worked out lately. These biceps, these triceps aren't as strong as they used to be, guys. Just, you know, you know what they said? He's the real deal. Whatever he's telling me, let's do it. They fill it to the brim. They're so obedient to Jesus that they fill those jars to the brim. They didn't half do it. They went all the way. Their obedience was all the way. Now imagine just two guys on each bin now having to carry 250 pounds. That's a lot of weight. Anybody in here 250? Don't be embarrassed. Big man back there. How, how much are you? Come here. Come here. I know him. I'm not judging him. He's one of the football players. I recruited him. I love him. Come here. This is a big man. Are you still on O-line? Yeah. He plays O-line in college. Strong, big boy, right? If he went dead weight right now, dead weight, how much you weigh? Get out of here. 300, way more than 250. It's a bad analogy, real fast. Just imagine he's 250. And I tried to carry him with another person? How many of you know that ain't happening? It's not happening. It's a big dude. But guess what? Thanks, man. But guess what? Listen. Yeah, you can clap for him. He's a big guy. That's a lot of weight. He's a football player. It'd be hard, right? How many of you know I'd be sitting there like, man, let's not fill these up all the way. Let's not do that. I ain't carrying these all the way. I'm not doing that. And then I, I believe some servant would have a little bit more faith than me, but like, no, fill them up. 
And now that they're dragging them, carrying them back to Jesus, filled to the brim, 250 pounds. Can you imagine what's going through the head? Man, he better do something. He better do something. Because now I'm here. I brought it to you, Jesus. Do something. But you know what? They never stopped being obedient. They never stopped. So they show up, and Jesus turns that thing right into wine. He does his power. He says, now go take it to the master. Go give him some. They're also probably shaking, walking up, going, man, this better be wine, because this is my master. If I don't give him something good, he's going to be mad with me. So they show up, and they give it to him, and the master goes, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. This is amazing. The servants are crucial because they were obedient to the father. They were obedient to the king of kings, and they were obedient to the, to the people over them. Church, I want this church to rise up, but we got to make sure day in and day out we are being obedient to what God has called us. Stop fighting it. This world will give you nothing. You want to be disobedient? Just go be disobedient fully. Don't waver. Don't ride the fence. I, I'm telling you truthfully, that may hurt. Just go live like that or choose to live fully in him. Because he wants obedience. He desires obedience. Not because he's controlling and a puppet up there. Just yep, yep. No, because he wants the best for you. He wants the best for you. And all he says is simply, my child, just try to be obedient. Day in and day out, seek my word. Follow my ways. I'm going to take you to where I want you to go. I'm going to do the things in your life that I need to do. The second thing is this. Jesus always brings us the best. See, out of a heart of obedience, out of being obedient, God's going to promise us the best. Let me give you something. The definition for best, maybe that's what you need to figure out in your head and heart. Because maybe you think the definition of best is your agenda. Maybe think the definition of best is your idea of where you're supposed to go in life. Maybe your idea of best is nothing that God has in store for you. But I promise you, he's got the best for you. He's got the best for you. He doesn't promise us that we're going to be living with the worst. Now, he promises us trials. I'm not preaching just this message like it's all good all the time, praise God. No, you're going to hit some stuff. You're going to hit some stuff. But you know what he says? Take heart. <laughs> Take heart. I've overcome it. You'll walk through some hot stuff. You'll walk through the fires, but I'll be there. You'll walk through some trials. I'm there with you. Take heart. But I got the best for you, my child. I got the best in store. He brings the best wine out. Now, I'm not getting into debate tonight, right? You get drunk on the weekends, it's wrong. This church believes that. I promise. It's not in his word. That's not the best for you. It's not the best. Hear me. This isn't coming at you. Okay? Can we all nod our heads? His best is that you know his never-ending love. His never-ending joy. You know what wine describes in the Bible? You know, what that you know what that means? You know what that's a sign of? Joy. Scripture says that wine is a symbol of joy. So Jesus pours out joy to people. He gives them the best. The best joy. He doesn't promise us happiness. Happiness is based off of happenings. Get that clear. When people say, I want happiness, I go, no, you don't. I promise, because happiness fades. Joy never fades.
fades. It never runs dry. Yeah, in moments do we feel weak, in moments do we feel like, man, this is hard, but you know what? I choose your joy, Jesus. I choose your joy, Jesus. And man, you can walk out of what you're going through at any point. He brings us the best. He brings us the best, but it's out of a heart of obedience. It's out of a heart of obedience saying, I want the best. I want the best, God, for my life, for my family, for my future. I want the best. I've been living in ways that I shouldn't. I've been doing things that I shouldn't. I've been doing things that go against your will and your plan and your scripture. I've been doing those things. But I want your best. So you know what, God, if I want your best, I need to choose obedience, and I just want your heart for my heart. I want your ways for my ways. I desire you above all else. I want to know you intimately. I want you to speak my future into my head, into my heart. Is this helping anybody? Third thing is this, and we're going to worship. The third thing is this. Jesus' heart is for us to know his heart. Jesus' heart is for us to know his heart. Catch this, look here. You know what I love? He didn't use the disciples. Now this hit me so hard this week. Catch this, please. This is, this is amazing. He did not use the disciples. His hands and feet that we know so clearly throughout Scripture, those were the people that did this stuff with him time and time again. He didn't look at his disciples and say, hey, you 12, go get the jugs. Because if my math serves me correct, there could have been two guys on those. Right? Am I right? Math checkers? Tony? Good. Thanks, Tony. Two guys for each jug. There's 12 of them. They could have taken care of it. But you know what he says to his disciples? I want you to see something. I want you to see my heart. I want you to sit back. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to have eyes wide open, and I want you to see my heart. I want you to see servants serve out of obedience. I want you to see that man, when obedience steps in, the opportunity for a miracle takes place. That's powerful. He tells them, sit back, disciples, take it all in. And what does the scripture say? It says this. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. I thought they already believed in him, JP. Why are they walking with him? Why would they give up everything for him? Because I'm not saying doubt's not going to come in every time. I'm not going to sit here and say that things aren't going to happen where you're going to wonder where is God. I'm not going to sit here and say those things because that's not true. But I know one thing, that he wanted to show him his heart. He wanted to show him that, hey, listen, just watch this take place. See the miracle that happens out of obedience. That's powerful. That's amazing. Man, so you know what? Sometimes I just got to sit back. I just got to sit back and check myself. Like, man, Jay, just strive after the obedience of Jesus. Strive after his heart for you. Just go after that. You know what? I may not be where I want to be. I may not have the things that I think I should have. I may not have the person that I'm supposed to have. I may not be in the place that I should be. But I'm going to trust you out of obedience day in and day out. That's encouraging. His heart for you is to pour out pure joy. 
It's to give you the best of the best. But he just needs some hearts out of obedience. So tonight, you choose. You choose. You want to keep living your life? Go ahead. Go ahead. I promise you will fade. It will fail. It'll run out. I've been there. Sitting on a runway in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> and I, I knew in that moment, the way I've been living, the things I've been doing, the disobedience in my life, the fighting against the love of Jesus, it's getting me nowhere. So you know what, Jesus, I choose you today. I choose you. I'm going to try to be obedient as best as I can, but I choose you. And you know what, church? He's never failed me. He's never run out. He's never gone dry. You can stand to your feet and give him some praise tonight. Stand to your feet. He's never failed. He's never run out. He's for you and never against you. He is in control of you. I promise you so much. His control for you is love, is peace, is joy. So let's sing it out tonight. If you believe that, hands lifted to heaven, hands lifted up, trusting that he is in control.